0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Dana Perino, and this is Perino on Politics. On Wednesday, October 25th, the contentious race for the speakership came to an end as Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson was elected the 56th speaker of the house. Although the race within the house concluded the race for the white house, it's only heating up. So over the weekend, former vice president Mike Pence suspended his presidential campaign. So that shrinks the number of Republican candidates running to unseat president Biden to eight. The suspension of the Pence campaign has left Republican voters to question Just who will make it to the third GOP debate and who's next to drop out of the race? Joining me once again to help tackle all these questions is my friend, Josh Kroshar. Josh is a Fox News radio political analyst, the editor in chief of Jewish Insider, and he authors the Axios Sunday Sneak Peek newsletter, which is a must read for everyone. So great to call my friends and get their takes. So, Josh, welcome back to Perino on politics.
1: Dana, it's great to be back with you.
0: Thank you. Okay, so let me ask you, you might not have been completely surprised that Pence dropped out, but he kind of dropped it as a surprise at the venue.
1: Yeah, well, look, it was uh, the Republican Jewish Coalition conference in Las Vegas, and that is a pro-Israel crowd that has supported him very much in in the past and uh he certainly dropped the mic with his announcement that he wasn't going to stay mm-hmm. in the presidential race look i don't think it was a huge surprise that he made the announcement uh before all the other candidates he was struggling to get traction in the polls he had struggled to to raise money in the in the last fundraising quarter and look he, he was trying to run uh, explicitly against populism against sort of the maga movement that he uh again Mm -hmm. and against trump and against against the president he served for uh four years quite loyally and there just wasn't room in the Republican Party for trying to straddle between, you know, the Trump, uh, you know, be, being Trump's loyal, number two, but also rejecting some of the excesses of that movement. And uh, he was sort of a man without a party or, or I should say a man without a constituency. Mm-hmm. He, he certainly was well respected, uh, you know, in, in, for his service as vice president. And a lot of people in Republican politics have nothing but great things to say about former yeah. vice president yeah politically it was just it just didn't work out for him
0: so one of the things that we also had this morning this is monday interestingly i just found out that there's a thing in new jersey called mischief night i'd never heard of this before until today in my 51st year i found out that there is mischief night on the date the night before halloween did you grow up with that josh
1: I did not know that. Uh, Maybe that is that a New New Jersey thing or I guess it's a Jersey
0: thing. And look, I'm all for it. Go out there and knock yourselves out, guys. But um, today was a day that the Iowa and Seltzer poll came out on the Republican primary. And there were some interesting things in there. Forty seven percent of people, Republicans polled there, said we're for Trump. We're for Trump. Stop talking to us. We're for Trump. But that means, you know, 53 percent are open to another option. Pence is no longer an option for them. But a couple of the other highlights I'd love for you to go through about what happened with DeSantis and Haley and what has happened to Tim Scott, if you want to take those on.
1: The poll is, you know, we always consider Ann Selzer's poll the gold standard of Iowa polling. And look, the big picture, Dana, is that Donald Trump is in commanding position in a state where a lot of Republicans thought he might, be soft he might not be as strong in the caucuses because of his uh you know heterodoxy at times on abortion um and 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 the fact that he's not as socially conservative as some of the other challengers but the reality is Donald Trump is almost as strong in Iowa as he is nationally uh and keep in mind Dana that Ron DeSantis's campaign was putting all their chips in the Iowa basket. They they basically said that this is going to be, you know, a state where it's almost a must win or at least coming, coming in uh, strongly in second place. And the poll, the Des Moines Register NBC poll shows uh, not only is Trump dominating, but Nikki Haley is tied with Ron DeSantis for second place. And, and she's got a lot more momentum than Ron DeSantis does Uh you know, doubling her support from the last poll, where Ron DeSantis actually lost a little bit of ground since the last August poll that that the Des Moines Register did. So, I mean, if, if the two headlines out of this poll, Dana, Donald Trump dominant in Iowa, and he is as he is across the country. But the number two headline is Nikki Haley is the one Republican alternative that's got some momentum. And if there's anyone who's going to catch uh, Donald Trump. And I don't think Nikki Haley has the greatest chance to do that either. But she's the one with the momentum. She's the run, run She's the candidate running the better campaign, both in Iowa and in, in in other states across the country.
0: And DeSantis had recently put a whole bunch more resources into
1: Iowa, right? That's right. I mean, look, the, the super PAC has been spending a lot of money there. Uh, his campaign appearances have uh, focused on Iowa. He pulled money from other other states to keep to keep the focus on Iowa. That, that, that's been essentially the message from. The Desantis campaign that that this is a if not a must win state a must do well state for for Desantis and when you're you're down almost what twenty five thirty points and at sixteen percent and and you're tied with Nikki Haley who's gaining ground that's not the definition of doing well mm-hmm. uh, if those numbers hold
0: Vivek Ramaswamy has was in, doing an interview last week that I saw where he said that the polls are wrong and he guaranteed everybody that he would win Iowa does that seem
1: possible. Well, he's tied with Chris Christie at four percent and Christie hasn't even campaigned in Iowa. So, uh, look, you can not trust the polls, but yeah. the trend line data of all these polls, mm-hmm. the register poll and all the other ones show that Vivek Ramaswamy is losing ground as a lot more people are from get familiar with him and and, and get to know him a little bit better. Um, the Tim Scott after-
0: piece does surprise me a little bit because he had he was doing pretty well in Iowa at the start of the race, but it sort of fell away
1: yeah look tim tim scott who who has run uh, a campaign focused on his faith then focused on his social conservatism uh Iowa is a state that's tailor made for that kind of message and he's at 7% in this poll he's lost a couple points since the summer so look this, this, the, the, the 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 reality is if you're not in the top three positions in, in this poll. If you're not Ron DeSantis, mm-hmm. Nikki Haley, or Donald Trump, you're not going to have a much of a chance to win the nomination. And right. the question going forward, Dana, is when do candidates start consider drop start to consider dropping out? Right. Ultimately, Tim Scott is only taking votes away from someone like Nikki Haley in Iowa. Um, mm-hmm. You know, DeSantis is a little more common. DeSantis has got this big juggernaut of a campaign, and I, I think a lot of his voters, some of them would go to Donald Trump. Uh, if, if, and in fact, the poll found that he has a lot of Trump voter. He has a lot of voters who would vote for Trump as their second choice. Um, so, you know, the reality for any anyone other than Trump is even if everyone dropped out except for the the one challenger, uh, they still would have a very difficult time uh, defeating Trump in a one on one matchup, in, even in Iowa.
0: Let's talk about Joe Biden, because in Sneak Peek, which you author and I recommend everybody sign up for that from Axios, you compared Biden to Carter and in a way that it was like, whoa, Josh, you're drawing some parallels. That maybe people hadn't even thought about.
1: Yeah. You know, actually, it's funny because the idea for the column came when I was talking to you on on TV and we're kind of looking at sort of the foreign policy challenges that Joe Biden faces. And uh, look, uh, Jimmy Carter had to deal at the end of his towards the end of his first term with um crises in iran with iran uh, you know the ayatollah taking over and and you know taking hostages and, and creating headaches for his entire the entire rest of his presidency and he also had to deal with the december 79 uh, russian invasion of afghanistan and obviously russia's invasion of ukraine still at the top of mind at this white house as well uh, the, the big picture is like when, when when the world looks like it's in chaos and, and it just seems like it's spinning out of control uh, that's never good for any 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 president. And and that's the way uh, a lot of Americans feel about what's happened in the last three years. The, you had the withdrawal, the chaotic withdrawal out of Afghanistan from from this administration. You saw Russia invade Ukraine the next year. And now you're seeing one of the worst you know terrorist attacks in Israel's history and the prospect of a, a regional war in the Middle East that they're trying. I mean, and, and even if you're even even if the voters, as, as some do, think that the president's handling these situations, uh, effectively, just the, the overall perception that the world is spinning out of control is something you're seeing in a lot of the polling mm-hmm. out there. Um, and and that, it's that's just what-
0: consistent that people say, even Democrats saying he's too old. And I don't know how the White House tries to fix that. And I, th- there was that piece. And then I saw that James Carville, the sort of, um, legacy Democrat, I would say, who has now been told it's not allowed for him to say that Joe Biden might be in trouble in his reelection effort. They say, don't say that even if they think it's true.
1: Well, that's it's never a good sign when, you know, the campaign is basically limiting any limiting any dissent. You you have to Mm -hmm. stay on message or else. And look, Dean Phillips, Dana, the fact that he you have a, a serious member of Congress, a moderate who has a lot of money, is now in the race and going to be competing in New Hampshire against Joe Biden, who, by the way, is not even on the ballot in New Hampshire. He's going to be it sounds like he's going to be write, mounting some kind of writing campaign because New Hampshire is sticking with their first in the nation primary and they got penalized by the Democratic National Committee. And it could create a scenario where Dean Phillips like gets a headline out of, out of the New Hampshire primary. But, but the big picture is that that's another comparison to Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter fe- faced a serious primary threat from uh, Ted Kennedy in 1980, and Joe Biden is facing a, a, a third-party ca- challenge on his left from Cornell West. He's now facing an actual primary challenger in Dean Phillips, uh, Robert F. Kennedy, also in, in in the race as an independent. Uh, there seems to be a lot of defections both on Biden's left and perhaps on his right, and that's always uh, it's always a Red flag if you're if you're a president. I'd say (laughs) not only not only are you seeing the party like on Israel, Dana, Mm -hmm. I mean, you see Mm -hmm. the the quad, you know, almost uh, spouting, uh, you know, pro Hamas propaganda. And then you have Biden, who's been trying to hold a pro Israel line as president. But these divisions don't foreshadow uh, good results typically in, in a presidential election.
0: They don't. Well, before we wrap up this segment, I've got a candidate quotable on the other side of the break. We will tell you which candidate president is responsible for the following statement i'm the only one with that law enforcement background i've been a federal prosecutor i understand terrorism i had to address an armed encampment of terrorists leading to their surrender and prosecution we'll have that answer coming up
1: from the Fox News Podcasts Network.
0: Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And we are back with Perino on politics. Josh, it, it, there was a lot of drama on the House Republican side um, for a while. It was kind of, well, it was mainly overshadowed by the war in Israel, uh, between Israel and Hamas. But the Republicans have a new speaker. It is Mike Johnson. He raised a bunch of money over the weekend. He had not raised a bunch of money up until that point because he wasn't speaker, but sort of a backbencher on the leadership team. Have the Republicans sort of solved their internal squabbles for now, or are they just simmering under the surface?
1: Well, I I don't think the divisions are going away, but I will say this for for Congressman Johnson. He's a, a friendly face he's well liked in 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 the republican caucus he he he's someone who is quite conservative and and he seems to be satisfactory to both wings right now of the of the party but um he's also one of the least experienced speakers in history and he's going to be facing some immediate challenges when it comes to uh funding the government coming up in a few weeks with the deadline again uh, coming down the pike whether he he's also going to have to decide on foreign policy uh how he's going to fund Israel and whether he's going to support funding uh, Ukraine in its defense against Russian aggression and where where he positions himself on foreign policy between uh the the isolationists and the more traditional hawks within the party so he's got a lot on his plate he, I, I he's got to ramp up his political oper political operation he seems like he's done a very good job of working with the old kevin a lot of the kevin the kevin mccarthy staff to to transition very effectively but this is not an easy job dana and the republican party is 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 pretty divided uh, not just Uh, on ideological grounds, but on sort of a personal level, the the kind of mud being thrown at certain lawmakers during this whole process has been quite ugly. So, um, look, it may be someone like Mike Johnson, who is well-liked, who is conservative and acceptable to to a lot of these Republican lawmakers. Maybe he's the one who can bridge the divides within the party, but it's just a difficult job Mm -hmm. and – you know, the the Republican Party is is almost that they almost as much there's almost as much of a divide between some of the MAGA Republicans and the more traditional McConnell uh, oriented Republicans versus the Republicans and the Democrats in the old day. I mean, there, there's just a lot of ideological differences and approaches and, you know, every every, every which way there's there's a lot of contrast. So it's going to be a challenge for Johnson to deal with all these legislative fights coming down the pike.
0: We have an election coming up in. A few states, and sort of—I call them off-year elections—but they're actually it's like a full statewide election um, in Virginia that's coming up, and there's also a big referendum in Ohio that I'm watching. Can you tell me about the state of Virginia and Ohio, and what that might tell us about 2024, or if we should stop trying to read into 2024 things that are happening in 2023?
1: Well, I, as a native uh, Virginian, I, I always lo- think the Virginia off-year elections are among the most important in the country. And look, it, Glenn Youngkin is trying to uh, win the state Senate and hold the state House, and Democrats are going to try to win both chambers back and try to, um, you know, show some momentum heading into the next next the presidential and then the next governor's race in the state of Virginia um abortion is an issue that democrats are running on in these close races for the state legislature in virginia so we'll see if that continues to have an impact if it continues to be a vulnerability for republicans in a, in a swing state and uh look the issue of crime and immigration and the economy are, are big uh focal points for the republicans so it's going to be an er- early test of whether the Repu- you know whether abortion is continuing to be a yeah. big issue for democrats will, and that's an issue.
0: will biden's low poll numbers hurt him in an off year election in virginia
1: yeah i mean youngkins good strong poll numbers i think are mm-hmm. probably the bigger question whether he can translate well those across. His political capital mm-hmm. into republicans uh, elected look Bi- biden's numbers are, are are bad in virginia they're bad even though it's a state that voted for him twice and, and they're low across the country so certainly that does not help uh, democrats in the state legislative races, though we're not seeing a whole lot of, you know, Republicans aren't running on against Biden. Democrats aren't, you know, it's it's more of a local set of issues in these races. And if anything, Yunkin has been spending a lot of political capital, a lot of money, but he's also appeared in a couple ads for some of these swing swing district candidates.
0: Right. Uh, the Ohio abortion referendum. It's I read a whole long piece about it this weekend. It's confusingly written, as these referendums often are. I can't remember what's yes and what's no actually. Uh but that is perhaps foretelling what could happen in twenty twenty four with states that have an abortion referendum on the ballot.
1: Yeah, I mean the, the record of success for the essentially the pro-choice side of the argument since Roe v. Wade was overturned has been quite quite significant. I mean, it's been there's been a big winning streak for for pro-choice advocates. So Ohio is a red state. It's it's voted for Trump twice it's voted for uh you know republican statewide candidates uh but it did uh, on on a on a on a um on a procedural vote earlier this year uh went went towards the pro choice side of, of of the debate and there are a lot of uh voters dana in ohio who are moving from the democratic party to become more more trump friendly but they also maintain some of their sort of traditional positions and they're not huge social conservatives and um i think that you're going to see sort of that divide coming up in the in the Ohio referendum. Okay,
0: let us wrap up this segment before we head to our next one. Here's the answer to your candidate quotable.
1: I'm only one with that law enforcement background. I've been a federal prosecutor. I understand terrorism. I've had to address an armed encampment of terrorists leading to their surrender and prosecution.
0: Yes, that quote is from Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson. He has not dropped out yet. I have to admit, I had to look twice. Okay, we will have more Perino on Politics coming up. Welcome back to Perino on Politics. Josh, I want to wrap up the episode. Share with me what is on your mind right now. What might I be missing? What are you paying attention to? I know you've got your finger on the pulse. A lot of the horrible anti-Semitism we're seeing across the country.
1: Yeah, well, one of the big stories we're working on, and I've written about at both Axios and at Jewish Insider is the division in the Democratic Party over support for Israel. And look, President Biden has been uh, stalwart in his support for Israel. He's he's uh, went to Israel to be with Bibi Netanyahu and the War Cabinet. And he's been taking a lot of heat from the the far left uh, of his party. And uh, that is a divide that isn't going to be going away. Um, It's Mm. it's it's a headache that, you know, a president who needs to keep his party united um, you know, heading into a presidential reelection year is all of a sudden finding a far left faction of the coalition, essentially like being equivocal on terrorism and and calling on Israel to basically not, not, uh, you know, not, not, not go after Hamas and have some kind of ceasefire. Uh, so that divide is pr- as long as uh, this ground invasion take takes some time. But there's probably going to be worse divisions and emerging factions that, that, you know end up end up emerging yeah within the i party. saw
0: that congressman gottheimer got into a squabble uh i can't remember the congressman that he got into a squabble with but josh gottheimer is jewish uh he was very offended by something that one of the members of of the democratic party had said um and so yet yeah, you're right i'm those intra democratic party fights are happening and i don't know if they're going to get any better and i'm wondering how the president navigates that congresswoman jayapal said on the sunday shows that president biden runs a risk of having muslim americans decide not to vote for him and i wanted to ask you josh obviously this election is going to be a close one between biden and whoever the republican nominee is if muslim americans don't vote for president biden over this war it's not necessarily that they're going to vote for the republican but if they stay home if they don't vote for him could that (laughs) hurt him are
1: there that many i mean big picture politics dana is that if joe biden sounded equivocal on terrorism he would do himself a lot more damage with you know pro-israel democrats swing voters moderates and independents Mm -hmm. than he would given the course taken so and look if if joe the, the 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 arab vote the muslim vote is significant mainly in michigan that that's the the state where they could potentially swing swing a state swing an election but boy dana if Joe Biden is in trouble in Michigan. That would be a bigger problem for his campaign. If he's losing or in trouble in Michigan, that would mean Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, Georgia would probably also be a little bit difficult for him to carry. So, you know, I think the bigger issue for Biden is more the younger, you know, the very progressive Mm -hmm. uh, college age voters that have very different they, they they were not alive in some cases or at least were not uh following the news during 9-11 and they have a very different worldview than a lot of their older uh, colleagues anyone over the age of 30 35 and they have uh you know there was one poll that showed you know much more anti-israel support mm-hmm. among, under 25s than any other i mean a, most most age groups strongly support israel but that 18 to 25 year old group uh much more critical so you know, they could stay home. They could vote for Cornell West uh, as a third party mm-hmm. candidate. Um, that's the risk, I think, more for Biden than than um, than anything else. Uh, if the base either stays home or votes for the Green Party or third party candidates. Mm.
0: Do you think that Biden would help himself or the Democratic Party would help itself if, if they were to try to do more on social media? Because I feel like the rioters, protesters, I should say, I guess, in some cases, rioters, on the pro-Palestinian cause, um, I guess that over 52% of them get their, all of their news on TikTok and it's reinforcing and the algorithm sends them more information that reinforces that point of view. And could the Democrats get in there and make a difference?
1: Yeah, that is a, really important question, because you, you remember the the Trump administration towards the end of his administration and then a lot of Democrats, even during the Biden administration, have raised questions about the security risks, national mm-hmm. security risks that TikTok poses. And it, it, it's, it's, it's when you look at data and polling about how younger voters get their news, TikTok is, is one of the top news sources for, for younger Americans. And I think that's why you see sort of this radical shift in, in among among the very youngest uh, voters out there when it comes to who they're going to vote for, whether they even, you know, they, they don't view themselves either. A lot of them don't even view themselves as Republicans or Democrats. They view themselves as sort of, you know, independents who are to the left of where the Democratic Party is in many cases. So, yeah, the the, the, the changing media consumption environment is having a big impact on our politics. It's pushing politics more to the extremes. And it's going to have, I think, some pretty dramatic consequences in this upcoming election. I also think Robert F. Kennedy's uh, candidacy, which is polling in the double digits uh, and is attracting some of those voters as well, is going to have uh, an impact on, 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 you know, on the race as well.
0: Well, Josh, thank you so much. We have a little trivia for you. You get to choose between presidential potpourri, campaign slogans, or Dana Reed's sports.
1: (laughs) Uh, How about presidential potpourri?
0: Wow, I thought you would go for sports because I know you know your sports. But okay. Which presidential family was the first to host a trick-or-treat event at the White House? The Carters, the Trumans, or the Kennedys? Uh, The Kennedys. You were right. That's so easy. We've got to make it harder for you. I I, I need to have a sliding scale of what's hard and what's not, depending. You know,
1: (laughs) I mean, I I figured just because of the family, you know, and, and, you know. Yeah, they have little
0: kids. Uh, Josh Kroshaw, thank you for being on Perino on Politics. Thanks, Dana.